Chuckle Buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent. A. Oh, shit. May. May 1st. In the, le- in the year of our Lord. 2019. Welcome to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. May 1st. New month. No wonder I feel so good. Get your ass up and hurrah. Yeah. I'm going to fuck this month up. The hell you looking at, May? Thinking you're cute with your little flowers and songbirds and shit? Oh, is that a begonia? Nope. It's me stepping on the fucking heart of the spring. Out for my own vicious agenda. I'm going to get some fucking traction. Lay some pipe. What? I'm trying to talk, I'm trying to like talk like a tough guy, but it's just not in my heart. <laughs> trying to sound rough and tumble this morning. I, don't know. I, just, I just crawled out of bed, having a coffee, trying to relax, you know, feeling a little vulnerable. T-shirt off in the middle of the spring. And <clears throat> no, I'm going to be a good boy this spring and uh, pray for my friends. So if you're new to the podcast, Jonathan Ramcharan. <clears throat> who? Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. I am an actor extraordinaire. When I got out of theater school, I was a 19-year-old actor, young buck. I moved into an apartment, rather a townhome, with uh, five other actors. Eh, It was just a drunken debacle. Not even on their part, more on my part. I drank a lot by myself and uh, with them and whatever, who cares. With whoever, I just drank. You know, you're young and you're partying. And... uh, Anyways, when I was done with that shit, I moved to Toronto, Canada. I'm originally from Edmonton, Alberta. So I moved out here to Toronto, and uh, the first four months were kind of trying. I lived in a hostel. You know, like a backpacker's hostel, a traveler's hostel. I lived in a hostel for uh, the first four months, and, uh, you know, every night... uh, Oh, hi there. My name is Johannesburg. Yeah, oh, I'm doing a little backpacking here. Huh? What's your name? Look, uh, hi, Jonathan. Then the next night, it's, uh... Oh, hello, Mia, Mia. Hi, hi, hi. Hello there. My, my name's uh, Zhao Ping. What's your name? Jonathan. Then the next day... Hello, senor. Hi. How are you, senor? My name is uh, Juan. What is your name? Juanito. <laughs> Jonathan. So every fucking night there's a fucking new fucking weirdo in your little apartment, in your little uh, hostel room. Which was fun and fine and dandy, you know, when you're a young actor. New to a city, out on the fucking town, the vibrant lights, you know. Your future's calling you, danger's calling you, excitement, intrigue, adventure is calling you. So yeah, it was pretty fun. Though, there was an episode. There was this tall black man. He kind of looked like Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction, you know? Mmm! That is a tasty burger! Fucking Jerry Curl, tall, lanky black man. Yeah, I killed him! 
And I hope they burn in hell. You know, Sam Jackson type shit. Like, uh, this motherfucker, like, his name was Emmanuel. <laughs> Emmanuel L. Jackson. <laughs> Anyways, this tall brother, his name was Emmanuel, right? He'd be like, how's it going, buddy? You want to go out and party and pick up some white bitches? Like, he, he talked like that sort of in a way, too. And we were like, uh, well, maybe, cool. And he was like, I don't know, he had to have been like 45, pushing 50. And he was always like, you know, it was a youth hostel, right? So everybody was pretty young, but, you know, he, he seemed cool enough. He liked to go out for drinks and shit like that. He was in my room, right? He was like uh, one of the lodgers in my, uh, sorry if I didn't explain, um, in these backpacker hostels, a lot of times there's like, you know, let's say... Uh, Three bed bugs, <laughs> three bed bugs. <laughs> yeah, there was bed bugs and fucking AIDS, all sorts of scurvy crawling around in those rooms, right? Fucking squalor. But uh, no, generally, like for example, in the hostel that I stayed, there would be like four bed bunks, bunk beds, <laughs> in a room, and that means there would be like eight, uh, you know, lodgers, eight people living in the room, right? Two to a bunk. Bunk beds. Do you understand bunk beds, ladies and gentlemen? Are you paying attention? So uh, anyway, yeah, there's like eight people in a room. And so he was one of the people in my room, right? And, uh, you know, like I said, where are the white women at? He's always out like for partying and drinking and shit. And, you know, he was, he was all right. One day I'm sitting there reading the newspaper, right? Comes in the room, right? Jonathan, how's it going? I'm like, oh, yeah, good. My name's Emmanuel. So, uh, what do you do? Uh, yeah, I'm like an actor. Oh, you're an actor, huh? My, that's cool, player. You know, you know, uh, you gotta be open to things in life. You know, open to ideas and creativity and uh, life and laughter and love. Puts his hand on my foot. And love. It's like looking in my fucking eyes, right? I'm like, uh. So I just, I remember, I just like, I gently folded up the newspaper. Put it down beside me. Got off my bunk bed. Climbed down off the bunk bed. I was on, I was on the top, I was on the top bunk, right? He had to reach up and grab my foot. He had his hand on my foot. Reaching out for life and laughter and love. He's got his fucking hand on my foot. So <laughs> I climb down off of the bunk bed and I just walk out of the room, right? I'm like, what the fuck did that just happen? Samuel L. Jackson just tried to fuck me. Like, I was like, what the fuck? What's the boomba clot? Your, your rice clot? Your boomba clot? I was like, what the blood clot hell is going on here, man? Emmanuel, you fucking mental. How fucked up is you, right? I'm like, hey. I just, like, left the room. So that night when I had to go back to bed, right? Well, like, I mean, I'm like, I can't stay in this room anymore. You know? I got fucking, you know, um, fucking the Jedi Master there, Mr. Pink Lightsaber. He's trying to fuck me, right? I'm like, hey. So, like, I grabbed the fork. I grabbed the fork from the mess hall, right? The, little, the chow hall, the mess hall. I went and I grabbed the fork, right? And I, I slept with my ass to the wall that whole night, clutching that fork. I'm like, if that fucker comes at me, man, I'm, 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 forking, his, I'm forking his ass, right? Right in the fucking eye. Yeah! Jam him in the eye with a fork, like, you know? 
You ever have to sleep with your ass to the wall clutching a fork for fear of being raped? <laughs> Those are the fucking uh, perils of a young actor, ladies and gentlemen. So um, then the next day, uh, uh, I, I changed rooms, right? I'm, I'm out of this fucking room, right? And there's this Aussie guy, right? His name was Luke. Uh, he was a... Uh, hey there, mate. How's it going? My name's Luke. Hey, hey there, Jonathan. How you doing there, mate? Hey, governor. He'd like talk to me and shit, right? Hey, you want to go for a barbecue? Hey, you want to go get some bitches? Yeah, yeah. What are you doing, player? You know, he'd talk to me and hang out and shit. So he was also in the room, right? But I mean, I had I had to flee. I mean, my, my asshole was in jeopardy, right? So <laughs> I, I leave the room and then a couple days later, I see Luke. He goes, hey there, mate. How you doing? Hey, fuck, mate. You, you're not going to believe this. So the other night, me and fucking Emmanuel, we're out there on the piss getting drunk, picking up on women and shit. We come back to the hostel. We go to our room, and I'm, I'm going to go take a pee. I'm about to go take a pee. So as I'm going in there to take a pee, Emmanuel sidles in ahead of me. He's looking at me like, hey, mate, can I watch your pee? And I was like, what the fuck, man? You off your fucking roommate. And I got out there. And I fucking beetled. I beat it out of there, mate. You ever fucking get raped by Emmanuel? I'm like, oh, well, he tried to do the same shit to me, right? He's like, why the fuck didn't you tell me, governor? I'm like, I don't fucking know. I, I didn't know I was supposed to talk about these things. It's kind of one of those things you just kind of hush up and f- hope that nobody ever fucking talks about. <laughs> victim. Victim blaming. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There you have it, straight from the horse's mouth. <clears throat> I'm an actor. I'm also a alcoholic. That's right. I'm one of those who walk among you, recovering alcoholic. Two years, five months of sobriety. One thing I focus on, amongst the many things I focus on in my recovery, is uh, a little saying, a little slogan, if you will. That people in recovery, uh, there's many slogans people in recovery try to use in order to facilitate their recovery. Little sayings, slogans to keep in mind to keep you on track, right? One of the ones I use is, easy does it. We live in an anxious world. Um, You don't have to be a psychiatrist to see it. In the workplace... In your daily life, friends, family, just with yourself, you know, spending time with yourself, working on your little projects, your hobbies or whatever, there's an overwhelming sense of anxiety. I see it. I see it in my coworkers. I see it in myself. I see it in the random person on the street. (laughs) That stupid person that like, you know, you're standing there at Tim Hortons and they're just like, hovering right behind you. It's like, listen, I'm next in lineup, fool. Would you just calm the fuck down? You're not, you aren't next. I'm next. Can't you just see that and wait your turn? Why must you hover right behind me like a fucking bee? Standing, calm the fuck down. You got like fucking egg timer up your ass. Ding! You got a fucking rocket crammed up your asshole. Would you calm the fuck down, you anxious motherfucker? Easy does it step by step day by day day at a time moment by moment be in the now um
Easy does it. I am also a uh, janitor. Uh, yo, check this. Yesterday, due to my easy does it, my recovery, my focus on my acting, my craft, my passion of life, due to my charisma, I was offered two jobs yesterday. I got two jobs. Two jobs, man. If you remember that Trident commercial from the fucking uh, late 90s. I got two jobs, man. I'm the hardest working bubblegum in town. I got two jobs, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, I got offered fucking two jobs, man, yesterday. You know what I mean? I'm a janitor in a office building, and uh, some of the maintenance men, they're like, hey, yo, do you want to um, perhaps get on with our crew, do some painting work, some kind of uh, maintenance-type work? And then um, a buddy, not a buddy from recovery, called me up and was like suggesting, "Hey, maybe I can help get you into a a construction union or this, that, and the other." And that's not really unheard of. Um, if you're new to the podcast, um, part of my story the past uh, year or so doing this podcast, um, people offer me jobs, and um, you know. I'm a janitor because I like the personal sovereignty that somewhat comes with the job. It's a straightforward job. That's why I do it. I'm not looking for help from people. They come to me. People come to me and, hey, do you want a job? Hey, do you want this? Hey, do you want that? They, they see me and they have their opinion of me. Or their, their outlook that, oh, a janitor job is... I choose to be a janitor. I choose to because it's like in that audio slave song, you know? Doesn't remind me. I walk the streets of Japan till I get lost Cause it doesn't remind me of anything doesn't remind me of anything. The song, he just sings about all this random stuff that he likes doing. Hammering nails, driving backwards in the fog, colorful clothing in the sun, uh, speaking in tongues. He, Chris Cornell, the singer of Audio Slave, and the, you know, the boys from Rage Against Machine, Audio Slave. That song doesn't remind me. It's a song about things that you do that don't remind you of anything. And I don't really know what the whole song is a really about but to me that's what it is it's sometimes you just got to do things that don't remind you of anything man i got a lot of shit up on my head man i had a fucked up childhood by any fucking stretch of the imagination and and i did damage to myself in my drinking days and i'm trying to be a creative artist so to speak and Dog, I just got to do things that don't remind me of anything. I'm not trying to listen to this nonsense. 
Jonathan, you got those um, papers, and uh, you, you put in the fucking, uh, we got a meeting at 1 o'clock, and we're going to go discuss uh, the, you know, uh, last week's quarter, and blah, 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 blah. Some stupid fucking paper-pushing, fucking office-dwelling, suit-and-tie, tap-shoe-wearing, fucking dilettante, dummy, dipshit, moron fucking job. Dress me up in a fucking suit, clomp me around in my little fucking leather loafers. I'm not doing none of that pedantic horse shit. And I don't want to work on a construction site. Hey there, buddy. You know, you got to get this done. Man. Hey, come on, hey. Come on, boys. We got to get to work. Blah, blah, blah. In your fucking head about getting this done, getting that done or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't remind me of anything. I sweep a fucking floor. Nothing's going through my head other than my jokes, my thoughts of the future, being in the moment, doing a simple task, being of service with my sights set on my mission. I'm on a fucking mission. You know what I mean? I'm like fucking Macbeth. You know? Do you know the story of Macbeth Shakespeare? There's this Scottish king that gets murdered by one of his uh, generals, so to speak. Macbeth. And a, in a lunge, in a bid for power, he murders the king of Scotland to abscond the throne. And um, with that comes all the moral crises of who am I? Why did I do this? Will I be found out? And, you know, um, that's the problem with a lie. One lie, one ugly, ugly deed begots another ugly, ugly deed. It just snowballs and festers. You know, once you become tainted by evil, the evil just continues to grow. The blood continues to shed. And Macbeth says something along the lines of, uh, you know, I'm in blood steeped so far that should I wade no more, returning were as tedious as go o'er. That's a direct quote. And he's in blood steeped, stepped so deep that to return would be more tedious than to go o'er, to go over. That's how I am with my fucking comedy. Which I'm going to get to. I'm a comedian. 11 years of experience, ups and downs, smiles and frowns, mental disorders. Uh-uh. No, I don't. But, like, that's what it is. That's why I do these fucking little janitorial jobs. I'm fucking raining blood in my life, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you know? I might walk around with a smile on my fucking face, but I'm fucking stepped so deep in this shit that to return would be more tedious than to go or. I'm like Macbeth, you know? I'm fucking witches. I'm killing kings and shit. I don't got time to fucking learn how to fucking swing a hammer, put on a suit and tie and do a fucking report. No. Let me sweep this motherfucking floor. Let me crack some chuckles. Get on with my motherfucking life. So I hope that gives a little bit of a background to the show. Jonathan Ramcharan. Actor, janitor, alcoholic, temporary laborer, comedian. Welcome to the show. Yes, so I hail out of Toronto, Canada. Beautiful city, the GTA, the sixth, the six, T dot. And one thing that's going on right now is um, 
Toronto Metro Police, Toronto Police Department organization, uh, whatever. They're doing this thing where they're they're buying back guns from the community. It's this initiative. I guess they had done it previously in 2008, according to this article I read. But they're buying back uh, handguns and any long guns. I don't know what that means. Is that like a rifle or something? But um, yes, they're buying them. Bu- they're buying these guns back uh, at uh, what is it? $350 a pop for every handgun and 200 for every long gun turned in over for destruction turned in over for destruction between now and May 17th mayor john tory said at a friday news conference at toronto police headquarters yeah 350 to 200 dollars a pop turn in your handguns they don't even have to be registered um and uh According to the article, this is an article I read at, uh, let's see, yes, the the star.com forward slash GTA. So if you want any more information on this article, uh, you can go to the star.com forward slash GTA. The star.com forward slash GTA. And um, it's pretty interesting. And they say in the article how... Um, you know, if we find that the firearms have been used in any criminal offense, we will do some further investigation. But otherwise, um, there's no uh, registration needed. Just they're trying to get guns off the street. I find that interesting, but it's also kind of, you know, you know, you take it at face value. That's what they're saying. The guns don't have to be registered. No questions asked. They'll do a background check on the gun. As long as it's not been involved in any sort of a criminal offense. Hey, here's your $350. And they pay it by fucking prepaid Visa card. <laughs> like you're going to one of those fucking, you know, cash money, your cash money, hey. Like those, those check cashing places. To give you like this little play fucking money in return. Here's your little Visa credit card. You know. I mean I guess. I don't know. It's just so fucking hood radish. You know. Visa prepaid credit cards. And turning in your guns. and But on the other hand. They're trying to get guns off the street. The idea being. One less gun in the community. One less potential problem. So. It's a very interesting program. But it. I don't know. It's just something about it rings very strange. Even though it is a program they had done before. You know, apparently um, 2008. Oh, in 2013, the buyback, rather. In a 2013 buyback, police collected 500 guns after paying about $150 per weapon. Police hope the larger pay payments this time will make the program more attractive for gun holders. So, you know, it makes a lot of sense, but there's also something very, very strange about it. And it does make you consider um, the American gun laws. You know, they talk about how it's their right to be armed and... uh, one of the major 
arguments is that what what uh, what protects us from martial law then? You know, what protects us from the government just marching in and, you know, dictatorship over the fucking masses or whatever when you disarm the people? Disarmament. Hmm. Makes you think. Really makes you think. All of a sudden, I want a gun. Wait a minute. Now I want a gun. Why do you want my gun? I want a gun now. I'm going to go out and buy a gun. I'm going to start putting ads on Craigslist. Look, looking for a gun. <laughs> we'll pay a $400 uh, Visa prepaid credit card for any gun turned into Jonathan Ramtran the podcast. If you have any guns you want to turn into Jonathan Ramtran the podcast, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. We're giving out $400 uh, Starbucks credit cards. Prepaid Starbucks cards for any fucking um, soiled handgun. $200 for any land long gun. And uh, yeah, set, hit us up. Hit us up with an email. Get those guns off the street and into the hands of me. <laughs> I want a gun now. What are they up to? They're up to something. I don't know. And there's like a lot. It's a, a fucking, you know, if you go to this website to check out this article, thestar.com forward slash GTA. There's pictures of these handguns, and they're really enticing, too. Like, they've got some really cute-looking ones. This one's turquoise. I've never seen a turquoise handgun before. Murder never looks so quaint. they got this fucking turquoise handgun, very appealing. Oh, look at this burgundy one. Ron Burgundy, a burgundy handgun. I didn't know they had such accessorized uh, killing utensils. This one here is a fucking nice, um, you know, uh, gold-plated handgun. Mm-hmm. Very blingish. You know, nothing shows off, um, you know, your status to a woman than a gold-encrusted handgun at your wedding. Makes a perfect gift. This one here is in, like, uh, these are just pictures of guns I'm talking about. Uh, this, this picture here of this gun, um, it's like a fucking orange-black tiger camo, you know? You ever have, like, a tiger ice cream? You know, like uh, orange and like licorice tiger ice cream. I love tiger ice cream. I'm getting tiger ice cream for my little treat this week. Holla, holla. That's what I'm going to do for this uh, little side tangent. Aside from the handguns off the streets, I want to talk about a uh, tiger ice cream for a moment. I'm going to get some tiger ice cream this weekend for sure, man. Just kick back with a fucking bowl of uh, orange and black licorice tiger ice cream. Yeah. But anyways, um, they got this quaint little fucking handgun that's the same color of uh, tiger ice cream. Yeah. I don't know. The buyback will make a difference, Mayor John Tory says. So, yeah, I think it will too. It just makes sense. But it also is very Orwellian, even though I've never read 1984. Is that the quote? Is that the s sentiment? And uh, George Orwell i got to read that book, 1984. We had to read Of Mice and Men, To Kill a Mockingbird. Something else. West Side Story? <laughs> I don't know, we had to read something else. But, like, uh, we never got around to reading 1984. That's the book everyone always talks about. The mind control, the chip implants, and the masses, and blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. So i got to read that book, but... It's very Orwellian. Hand in your handguns. Anyway. To, uh, to give a nice little um, fun spin uh, to, that, to that little uh, 
to that little news clipping there. There's this other little news clip I read, and uh, it's very interesting. It's on taxidermy. You know taxidermy? You, me- you know, me- me- remember, remember Norman Bates? That fucking cuckolded weirdo from Psycho, that Hitchcock film, when he peers through that little hole in the wall and masturbates to that woman? Well, actually, that's not that weird. <laughs> well, I mean, it's weird, but it's not far-fetched. I mean, I could see myself doing that. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, eh, never mind that. But in the film uh, Psycho, Norman Bates, that mental patient who, uh, you know, mommy issues, mother, mother. You're always talking negative to me, mother. Norman? Norman! You're going to completely disrespect and disregard your mother, Norman? Norman Bates, that fucking cuckolded weirdo. He was a taxidermist. Um, If you recall the scene where that cute young blonde chick on the run with her boss's uh, pension. You know what I mean? She robs her boss and she goes on the lam. Then she goes to the Bates Hotel. And uh, when she's in the lobby of the Bates Hotel, well, if you can call it a lobby, it's like a motel, run-down dump. And anyway, you walk into the front office, and uh, there's all these weird, like, pigeons and and owls and weird-looking fucking things on the wall. Stuffed dead animals. Stuffed carcasses. Dead carcass stuffing. That's called taxidermy. Anyways, there's this interesting little article in the newspaper, too, that I read. Um... Give me one moment, ladies and gentlemen. That's a new thing I'm trying to do on the podcast now. A little bit more, a little bit more in the community, in the world discussion, you know. So this is an article from Daily Life. This article was written by Amanda Lee, special to the star. If you want the full story, check out thestar.com forward slash life. Again, the article was written by Amanda Lee. Full story at thestar.com forward slash life. Rats! Or 5 p.m. on Friday. Anthropomorphic taxidermy is the art of stuffing a dead creature and giving it human qualities. By Amanda Lee. Anixka Risk places a frozen rat onto the old food tray in front of me and does the same for the others in this taxidermy workshop. I look past its dead eyes and I examine the white, gray fur, needle-sharp teeth, and tiny pink hands and feet. As a first-time taxidermist, I'm going to learn how to give this sad-looking rat human qualities in Risk's day-long anthropomorphic rat workshop. My kids think I'm sick, but I'm quite enchanted. Once the rats are laid out, Risk explains how we will skin and stuff the rat preserving it through the art of taxidermy and giving it human characteristics like those popular wedding kittens from the Victorian age. Using a scalpel, I make an incision along its spine 
so that it is splayed out on the tray, its flesh exposed. Scrape against the side of the pelt with your finger, Risk says. Get your fingers around the legs and pull the knee out. Attentively pull, then hear a snap. I'm not sure if I've broken a bone or a tendon, but Risk assures me my rat can't feel a thing and demonstrates how to cut off the fleshy leg at the ankle with a pair of scissors preserving the paws. I'm taking the six-hour workshop at the cotton factory in Hamilton. The restored industrial factory is an appropriate venue. It looks like behind the scenes at a Victorian-era museum. Risk's personal interest in taxidermy began 25 years ago after visiting a store in San Francisco selling taxidermy mice in Victorian costumes. I just fell in love with the idea, she says, but it took another two decades for me to pick up a scalpel, Risk considers herself a rogue taxidermist, someone who makes mixed-media taxidermy art constructed out of taxidermied animals and synthetic materials. So there you have it. The art of anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic taxidermy. Very interesting little article, and there's pictures. You got to check it out. Um, got to check out this website. Um, thestar.com forward slash life. This taxidermist, her name is Ankixa, A-N-K-I-X-A. Ankixa Risk is the name of this taxidermist artist. And she makes these little, like, you know, these, these, these funky little morbid little creations, right? Like, there's a picture of this one here. It's like a little rat. It's a stuffed rat, but it's like in a little, it's like in a fucking wedding gown. And it's like in a fucking bathtub and it's got like a little cigarette hanging out of its mouth and a little bottle of fucking wine and a little glass and it's in the tub. And you know, it says, Rat in a Tub, made by first-time taxidermist Amanda Lee of Oakville. She took a six-hour taxidermy workshop at the Cotton Factory in Hamilton. So, like, I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a little interested, but I'm also a little bit um, put off. There's another picture of a toad. There's a toad with a crown on. There's a rabbit with horns, you know, like a, you know, when they put like a deer's head on a mantle, it's like that, but it's like a rabbit's head with little antlers on it. There's a, there's a rat riding, there's a rat riding a dinosaur. It's like a little toy dinosaur with a rat in a tuxedo on top of it, riding it. Obviously the dinosaur is a toy. It's not actually stuffed. <laughs> it's not a stuffed, uh, actually, I don't know. Is that a real dinosaur? It's a stuffed dinosaur. They do exist. Jesus, you lied to us. No, but um, there's a little fucking rat on top of a T-Rex, and he's got a little top coat on. It's like Stuart Little. So, I don't know. It's. I thought it was kind of a cute little article, and it was, uh, you know, definitely uh, worth a gander if you got the time. Real funky, morbid kind of artwork. Kudos to them. Taxidermy. Of all the weird things to get into with being a taxidermist. 
stuffing dead animals. I couldn't imagine that. Like, imagine that was your job. I mean, she loves it, apparently. (laughs) Fucking workshop. Oh, my God. Anyway, check it out. Thestar.com forward slash life. Check it out. Taxidermy. Maybe it's something you can give your wife for a fucking uh, Valentine's Day present. That's coming up, isn't it? Oh, sorry. No, rather your mother. Mother's Day present. Give your mother a fucking taxidermy fucking class, you know? (laughs) How deep would this be? (laughs) So listen, you have a mother, right? And um, (laughs) she had a miscarriage. (laughs) So it's a little fucking Mother's Day present. (laughs) You can you can have her do a little taxidermist experiment on the fucking dead fetus, get it stuffed, you know, put a fucking college diploma in its hand in one of those little hats, you know, those little graduation hats on a college diploma and the little fetus is fucking... <laughs> Look, it made it to graduation after all. Happy ending. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. <clears throat> hey, man, it's comedy. So there you go. A couple things in my personal life going on right now. Um, You know, it's the new spring season. Uh, Fucking, uh, yeah, I got up for a jog and I'm feeling good. It's great, man. Um, It's always, it's always um, a different thing when you, when you start jogging for the first time after, uh, like, I, I work out at home a lot. I do um, push-ups, sit-ups. Uh, I skip rope. I do that type of exercise. But um, it's a different thing to go outside for a run. You know what I mean? It's different. It's a different feel. It's a different, it's a different intensity. And it's the first time now that, now that springs back. Because I don't fuck around during the winter. I might try it this coming winter. I don't like jogging in the winter. I'm like, fuck it. I'll just... For my cardio, I'll just skip rope indoors. But So I've been locked away skipping rope like a pansy for the last uh, few months. And now um, I'm back to outdoor running. And I love it. Get up early, 5.30, crack a dawn, <laughs> go for a rip. But I got a bit of like a, <coughs> I got a bit of like runner's throat going on. Runner's throat. You know, is that a case of runner's throat, raspy? Like, um, after going for a jog for the first time in this new weather, really opened my lungs up, and I'm like, I've been like walking around with this rasp in my throat. You know, I never knew health felt like this. You know, <laughs> I'm feeling really healthy. Just went for a jog. <laughs> but you know, tender blessings, tender mercies, feeling good, feeling grateful, and um. What this run did was it inspired me to get organized. Hey, spring cleaning. They call it spring cleaning for a reason. Things just seem to be getting built up around me. I've been very focused lately on comedy, uh, my hobbies, taxidermy, making horrible abortion jokes, miscarriage jokes, you know, things like that been very busy and it was like okay 
the walls were closing in on me, it seemed like. I was getting a little bit frustrated, losing my gratitude, losing my patience. I mentioned easy does it, right, earlier to harken back to my recovery. Easy does it. I was losing sight of that. I was getting kind of frustrated and antsy-pantsy and all that type of shit. And this run, this raspy throat that I got from this run that I took, it really inspired me to get organized again. Just, I'm going to start, start, you know, writing down day by, like, you know, plan it out a week and ahead. Because in a, a week is a long enough time for me to know, it's long enough and short enough for me to know what I want to do. Like, I got, I got week, I got long-term goals that are just there. But I also got day-to-day goals that I got to start writing down because it's kind of hard to keep track of them. As you get busier in life, do you notice that? I notice that. It gets harder to keep track of your, of your real goals if you don't write them down. Because for the longest time, I just keep them in my head. I'm pretty good at that. I'm pretty good at being aware of the things I need to do. But it could help me, I feel, to write it down, get organized, and um, have more accountability on my time management, you know? See, I'm talking like a very pedantic uh, managerial type. See, what I really need to start doing is really allotting some time management skills, really placing and marking um, um, goalposts, um, steps of progress that I really need to um, cultivate in order to progress with my career. And um, these are the things that I want to be mindful of in the coming weeks ahead. Mindfulness is a, <clears throat> yeah, you know, there's, um, as I mentioned, I'm a janitor. And, uh, you know, I work, you know, I work at this office. And they have all these little in- inspirational fucking hoopla that they post around the building to keep people from jumping off of it. And uh, one of the little things I noticed in the building was this sign that said, um, mindfulness. Uh a way to um, consider that um, the end goal is to live a life of meaning and uh, and uh, gratitude, and it's the long term that counts. And blah blah blah. And it's like, yo, you're basically getting people. Th- That's not the greatest example. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there you go, you know, it's like I'm dissing up mindfulness, but I can't even keep in mind what the fucking quote was, so squash it, I mean, the joke's gone, because I can't even remember what the fucking, I was going to insult something about mindfulness, but I can't remember what, I, I wasn't mindful of what the fucking quote was to begin with, so maybe I should be more mindful, <laughs> but uh, I don't know, being organized, that's what it is. And uh, that's what I'm going to focus on. And uh, it's perfect time for it, man. Spring of 2019, man. Let's do something. Before I, go on, before I get out of here, I just want to quickly mention to you, uh, I'm sad to say, it's time for me to really break up with my hairdresser. Yes. I got this hairdresser. He's this Trinidadian man. He's Trinidadian man and things like that. Wind it up, man. Hey, Jonathan, you're coming in for a cut, boy? How's it going, boy? Yeah, sit down there, man. Wind it up, man. It's like this little Trinidadian dude who cuts my hair, right? And he's an elderly gentleman. But he's like wacko, you know? Like, I remember one day he came to me. He goes, 
Yo, son, do you know this boy? Women be fucking dogs, man. Women be fucking dogs, boy. Did you know that? I was like, what? Women be fucking dogs, man. Look at this, man. Look at this, man. And he, and he pulls out his cell phone. And in a fucking room filled of women waiting to get their hair cut, they're just all sitting there. It's like a hair parlor, right? He's my fucking hairdresser, for God's sakes. We're at a hair parlor. And he pulls out his cell phone. Women be fucking dogs, man. And he's like trying to show me these bestiality videos of women fucking dogs, you know, like, ruff, 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 ruff. <laughs> just getting fucking pounded by dogs, right? I'm like, yo, I'm not trying to see this. Like, I, I kind of like looked away, right? I don't, I don't want to watch that shit, right? I don't, I don't need that negativity going into my head. And I'm like, yo, man, no, I don't want to see this. Women be fucking dogs, man. He's like weird that way. And, um, you know, as of late, he's been in very poor health, but it's all like psychosomatic. Like, um, oh, man, you know, these things be going on, man. Like I eat, if I have fries, man, if I eat a plate of fries, a little bit too much salt, and then I be getting dizzy, man. I got to sit down, and I'm, I'm not feeling good, and my eyes be killing me, man. My eyes be killing me, and I'm sick to my stomach, and I'm, I'm dizzy, man. And I got to eat a little bit of chocolate, and ah, I'm just been so dizzy, and I'm tired, man. I'm tired. Well, have you gone to the doctor? Well, yes, I've gone to the doctor, man, but the doctors say that there's nothing wrong with me, man. He don't know what's wrong with me, but my blood pressure be up, man, and I get in dizzy, and if I have a little bit too much salt, and I can't eat gluten, and I can't do this, and I can't do that, and the, but the doctor says there's nothing wrong with me, man, and the binga the bunga the... It's all like psychosomatic horse shit. It's like shit that he creates in his head. He even talks, he has a mother for God's sakes. His mother's like 90 years old and he, he, he fucking ear beats his own mother, right? I be talking to my mother, man, and she be telling me that, you know, I be, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. I just got to, you know, relax and take care of my diet. But I'm telling you, man, there's this and that and I'm fainting and this. And... It's just like a convolu convoluted negative mess. And then on top of which, he, he's friends with people in the neighborhood that are just like, Fucked up. He's got all these street people coming into the hair parlor, the barbershop, whatever you want to call it, coming in and fucking around and blah 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 and DB do. And it's like, man, I can't take this shit no more. So like I'm breaking up with him. You know? It's um it's sad. I've mentioned him before on the podcast because, you know, he's kind of like a interesting little character in my life but yo it's just it's time i went to see him this past week i went and got my haircut this past weekend and taylor's all this time oh man i be sick man and then things like that man oh oh my blood pressure this my that i need to do then his little hood rat friends come in they're talking about scratch tickets yo man the things like that man i got the lotto 649 max man yeah yo, you want me to go get you a ticket yeah man get me a ticket man oh yo, you okay man and the, talking about lottery tickets and shit, and this person apparently got out of jail for killing his fucking wife. The man's friends with a known wife murderer. That's the story. And it's like, yo, I just, I gotta get out of there. So, um, join me in a quick prayer for my barber, if you will. Lord! My barber... He was a dear friend of mine, but Lord, I have to cut him loose, Lord. He's got a spiritual malady, Lord. His blood pressure be up, his eyes be hurting him, Lord. 
I can't take it anymore, Jesus Christ. I pray in your name, find guidance. Guide me, Lord, to the light. I need a better hairdresser. I need a better class of hairdresser in my life, Lord, a better barber. Oh, Lord, please deliver me, the barber of my dreams, Lord, the hairdresser of all hairdressers, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran, reporting line for duty on this magnificent May 1st in the year of our Lord, 2019. Our Righteous Mike, that's the that's the comedy show that I host in downtown Toronto. We got a show, we got a show tomorrow night, May 2nd. Hit us up, jonathan-ramtran.com forward slash shows. Come check us out if you're in the area. We'd love to have you. Information, again, is on my website or at Our Righteous Mike on Facebook. Hit us up. Till next time, you live it, you love it, you realize it. All right? Peace. Ha 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 ha!